Hi, this is Paul, and you're listening to a special mini session from our Next Up event that we hosted during the Arroyo Seco Weekend Music Festival in Pasadena, California. In this episode, we speak with Jimenez Lai, co-founder of Bureau Spectacular and co-designer of The Fieldhouse, the structure designed to house our conversations for this event. We talk about his evolving ambitions, issues of sustainability and temporality, and of course, the white and breezy Fieldhouse. All right. Well, we're here with Jimenez Lai, the designer and visionary behind this structure that we are sitting here talking to him with. Welcome. Uh, thank you. It's good to uh, have you back on. Thank you. It's good to watch your career like uh, soar through the stratosphere in the last few months and years. I mean, it, it's uh, it's amazing you even have time to be here right now. There's not much oxygen around uh, the stratosphere. <laughs> yeah. So maybe we can just start out talking about this piece that you did. It's called Fieldhouse. And you know, I know that your work is really kind of rooted in telling stories and developing uh, characters and stories behind the work that you do. What was the story behind this project? Well, I think before I begin to talk about the project itself, I, I want to make sure this is uh, stated in public that this project wasn't just by me. This is, I think, equally created by myself and Joanna Grant, uh, my partner. And, you know, we, we started the concept from, from the beginning, uh, from the beginning of the conversation with Rafi Lair. Uh, Rafi is the art director of, uh, of this event, Oral Seco, uh, which is also why we're here. You know, we, we had discussed a Pasadena centric conversation. And, you know, I, I thought our connect being here, it would be really great to do this together. And, and so now we're doing this. So I want to take maybe. 10 steps back also to be talking about a different project that's somewhat related to this one. Back in 2010 or 2011, when the office bureaus particularly were starting out, we, we made a suburban proposal called Park Conditions. The idea of Park Conditions is that, you know, the idea of the property line ends at architecture and whatever else that's out there is uh, owned by someone else. And within the boundaries of architecture, uh, we can say, here's your suburban home and you don't need to take care of the lawn. You don't need to take care of anything else. Uh, and you can't, you cannot even drive. At the time in the office, it was just myself, Thomas Kelly and Cyrus Panaroyal. And three of us were talking about buildings as characters. And at that point, we we're looking at, you know, the Venturi Scott Brown duck. And we were thinking, what if we were to abstract the duck a little bit and the, the suburban houses can, can have individualized characters without let's say, customizing every material. What if we can use standardized material to achieve character? And today, sitting here is kind of a dream come true in some ways, because as six, seven years later, we finally had the opportunity to, to do something like it. The character, I would say, is really subdued in this one. Naturally, you know, working in an environment where, you know, Nicholas and I were having this conversation earlier, ultimately, you know, signing up for architecture, I, will, I would like a building career, but constantly doing these outlandish things time and over, uh, doing installations with drawings, with artwork, with writings and comics and music videos and so forth. I think it's important to begin to gravitate towards uh, something that begins to look like a building or feel like a building. And I think sitting here for the first time in our careers, I feel like we're in a room that finally feels like a building, whatever that means. Definitely. Yeah. So it sounds like the work that you have been doing has been developing. It's been a lot of research, R&D to define the future of your practice. Is that, would that be accurate? Yeah. You know, I think I may have said this before in a different interview about my fascination with Toyo Ito and how in the first eight years of his career, uh, he had this project called Urban Robots. 
and I think he had no intention to build at the time. His intention was to define his trajectory um, through writing, through teaching, through exhibitions. And I found that to be a really admirable and important example. And, and I would say... Maybe, maybe I graduated about a year and a half ago. And since then, we've been trying to do retail stores. We've been trying to do, you know, restaurants and, we've been, you know, trying to work on stuff that are close to being houses. We, we do have a conversations that's happening right now around a house on a hillside. And so I, I would like to do something like that, you know, enter the workforce finally. <laughs> it seems like you're pretty enmeshed in the, uh, the workforce. At least your, uh, your schedule seems to indicate that. Can you talk a little bit about the process behind developing a project like Fieldhouse? You know, where do you start when you're given that that commission? Rafi came over to our house. I can't remember when. Maybe it was it was even as recent as six or eight weeks ago. He came over with uh, you know with some tacos, and we we just started talking about possibly this project through the conversation. You know. Uh, he described certain qualities that he was looking for in an event like this. And I just uh, was building foam models. I was just cutting up, you know, on a hot wire, cutting up foam models and gluing it together as, as we were talking. And I thought this process was really exactly how we got here. You know, what if this house had a courtyard? What if this house was a square? You know, what if this house had a pitch roof? What if this house cannot go anywhere higher than 20 feet, if it's 20 feet? So we're, we were given in that conversation, you know, receive really specific numbers and dimensions and materiality and color. What we're sitting in right now, I think, is a direct result of a, of a, of a conversation, of an actual conversation. Well, I was struck by how similar it looked to the renderings yeah. that I had seen before I got to see it in person. Can you talk a little bit about the construction? Was this your, your choice of materials? The slat, which is on the outside, is a material that, you know, the organizers ha had in excess of. And so Rafi had brought this up to our attention, wanting us to consider the use of the slats, you know, if it's already there. Wouldn't it be a little more ecological to use stuff that that's in storage instead of cutting up, you know, fresh wood? And so I thought that's that's right. Uh, and I, you know, have, after moving to LA, I have to say, uh, I don't know if I mentioned this to you. I was briefly vegan. Oh, wow. I'm not anymore. Congratulations for Thank not you. being vegan I, I, anymore. I, I, I can't. I, you know, it's very difficult for social reasons. Uh, when you can't really hang out with people if you're vegan. I mean, on my own, I can do it. But when when you hang out with people, you can't really. It's hard. What I'm trying to say is uh, Southern California, where Los Angeles at large, inspired a, a kind of awareness where, yeah, consciousness to, towards being doing ecological things. And so we're, we're finding ways and, and re reusing, we're recycling our, our things that we can do. I used to always have an allergic reaction towards uh, sustainable architecture because, you know, just because you paint something with a coat of blue or, you know, plant some trees somewhere doesn't mean it's e ecological or sustainable. But right now, we're thinking maybe uh, Marcel Duchamp has a point by reclaiming certain things, uh, we're, we're not wasting as much. And uh, to me, that's a tangible way of participating in this conversation. Probably the most effective way to create sustainable architecture is, is reuse, which is often often uh, not talked about as much because there's a lot of money in the uh, right. materials right. industry. How do you describe the projects that you do? Because a lot of them border on art, furniture, a lot of them combine furniture, art, and architecture together. Like, how do you, what are the, what are the terms that you use to describe that? Well, I, I think I was drawn to architecture because it creates realities. 
you know, a room where within a property or within a territory, you know, you can have your own set of rules and your own set of realities. And, you know, the construction of these kinds of realities may or may not depend on architecture alone. I think, you know, if you have a fantastic cup or when you let's say when you wear a shirt that makes you feel differently i think these are all designed ways of co- creating realities which may, may may have everything to do with my interest in you know comic books and storytelling and storyboards i'm interested in the making of realities so with this project there's you've done other projects similar like coachella um when you're creating work for a festival for a kind of party environment which you do often it's a kind of a unique program what are the kind of experiences you're trying to cultivate uh, what are the kind of main imperatives driving this kind of work well it's important to shade true <laughs> because it's really hot and it's important now for me to be thinking about temporary or the idea of temporary last time when we did Coachella we we were faced I mean, I can go all the way back to back in 2008 when, when I first did that thing at Materials and Applications, which was the first instance of heartbreak when I realized that, you know, no one's going to p- purchase it and no one has the means to store it. Therefore, we have to throw it away unless someone rescues it. And at that point, someone did rescue it and didn't even have to buy it. And so it was kind of a heartbreaking moment for me right from the onset and since then I've been thinking a lot okay if I do something how long will it live if it's meant to be temporary by the time it got to something like the white elephant project uh, I was strategizing in a way to call museums and see see how that goes but let's, let's talk about Coachella because that piece I think I forgot about this entire process of the temporariness of, of something like a, like a Coachella project and that thing didn't get sold and now our, our friends despite that you know kindly have have it in custody in their storage unit parts of it most of it has been destroyed and so the idea of temporary and reusable structures to me is now important i i, I think about these things when i when we're creating this type of work so the room that we're in actually breaks into chunks of five rooms and the five rooms can then be broken into chunks of uh, flat sheets and so once it's taken apart into flash sheets, we can very easily put it back together somewhere else. Uh, it's, it, I'm sorry I'm uh, answering in a practical way uh, all of it, but I feel like it's important to think about the temporary nature of it. And that, that's what, what I am mostly concerned by. The other aspect of it, I guess, you know, aside from creating shade, is accepting that everything will be destroyed. People are drunk. They're not going to care. And everything that's here, we will consider it done disposable so if i'm correct this and that were the ones who are are, who have the coachella pavilion right yeah parts of it not all of it yeah so you work with them you work with jai and jai you're kind of at the front of this generation of architects who for i think a variety of reasons started exhibiting were architect in a way that architects in the past didn't so you abandoned plinths and pinned up renders for like full-scale installations do you think first of all I'm, i'm interested in kind of your view broadly of do you feel like you're a part of a generation that's doing that? And then also, do you think that, do you find that there is a, a market that's coming around for this? Well, I want to say that, I mean, at the risk of sounding this way, I, I want to say that I feel like we're a group of hapless and helpless group where, you know, why do we do installations? Because we started our practice, a lot of my friends started our practice in 2008. Like, why do you make drawings that are 
dumb and unrealizable because we embraced that it was not going to be realizable in 2008. And so some years have passed. We've built a body of work. In fact, you know, the mode of thinking for me anyway has always been, I guess we'll try to build something that resembles buildable body of work. Now that the economy is better, I think, you know, hopefully we're also starting to um, have a chance. But at the time, I, I would say the graduating class of roughly that time period endured this type of situation. So yes, there is a generation. And the other thing about this generation is, you know, if you do something hypothetical or theoretical or not real, you also run the risk of sounding ironic or sarcastic when you're always doing work that's not realizable. Worse yet, have a, having a, God forbid, having a, a cultural critique. And when you do, you know, you, of course, you're going to sound like an ironic person. Uh, and have, having been fed Seinfeld, South Park and Simpsons in my years of acquiring language, I, I think myself and a lot of my friends uh, have the unwitting circumstance of sounding ironic all the time, despite being sincere. Uh, and then the second part of the question was, do you think that there is changing, that there is becoming a, a market yeah. a market for architectural uh, I hope so. I hope so. Uh, who knows? It's hard to say. I hope so. Yeah. For Giant Jai's sake, right? <laughs> so I've been on some architecture reviews on juries lately, and I've been noticing there's some clearly evident uh, inspiration that students are taking from, from your work. What do you think of that? Is that reappropriation of, of your own style? Is that uh, encouraging? Or what, what are your thoughts? Uh, I, I see what you mean because I see it myself. And sometimes, you know, I, I find myself in the precedent studies, which is a weird feeling. On the one hand, I, I'm bewildered by it. On the other, I feel like I, I have to take responsibility for it. Especially if now I see people are trying to look at what I do, I better not be irresponsible or something, <laughs> you know? Uh, and then one, uh, I, I have one last question. You are super busy these days. I mean, you are incredibly in demand. You know, I, I get a lot of press releases through Arconnect every day, and your name is one of the most common ones that pop up these days. You just got back from Basel, where you have won the... Um, Designer of the Future Award. Right. You are on a number of group shows and, and, and panels, and you're, you're at SF MoMA right now. Right, that's right. How are you balancing all of this while maintaining an active practice? Give us a little insight into how you're, how you're able to make that happen. Well, Paul, I mean, I'm sure you're also really busy yourself. Um, and if I describe this feeling, you, you, you might be able to relate, which is there's an in, inner core in you that is something like, 12 or so and and there, there's a that that 12 or so inner core has been saying well that's cool so let's do that uh yet you know your body begins to grow old or break down and at one point you take that inner soul or inner core and and put it into a garlic press <laughs> that's where i'm at right now i've been there for a while <laughs> i got a lot of chopped up garlic around me right <laughs> and, and it just smells really pungent you know yeah it's all sticky can't really help it so, so you feel sometimes the excitement about something can... can uh, and, and then it gets broken down into yeah. bits. That, that's how I feel. And I'm sure a lot of people feel that way. Well, congratulations on this project. I think it turned out really, really nicely. It's an amazing space, actually, to be having a, this event here in the sweltering heat. We're actually relatively comfortable inside with the shade and the nice breeze. And uh, I hope we can hang out a little bit after this is over. Let's do. Thank you. Yeah, thank you.
Thanks for listening to this mini session. For more information about this show and other shows from this series, check out arconnect.com. I'd like to thank all of our guests, especially Jimenez Lai and Joanna Grant of Bureau Spectacular for creating the beautiful structure for this event. I'd also like to express our gratitude to Golden Voice, especially Rafi Lair, for encouraging a public discussion about architecture and urban design and for including us in this amazing inaugural event.